0: Come on back. Come on back. I know it's late for to honor those who are veterans in our house, but I want to say thank you to our veterans, those who have served in the armed forces. How, how many in the house have served in the armed for, U.S. Armed Forces? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. One? Okay. Raise your hand. Good, good, good. There's a few. Over, okay. Oh, Ken, right? Good, 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 good. Thank you, guys, very, very much. In the back here, thank you. Whoa, right on. There we go. All right, I don't think most people heard me. So how many in the house have served in the U.S. Armed Forces? Stand up. There we go. There we go. There we go. Lord, I bless these men, these women. Lord, God bless them in Jesus' name. Thank you for the sacrifices. Lord, I'm so thankful for the sacrifices that they have made to make this world a better place. We honor them today. We're thankful, Lord, in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. Mike, you served uh, as a Marine yes, in Vietnam what year? In Vietnam 69 to 70. 69 to 70. When you enlisted, you enlisted? 68. In 68, did you know that you were going to go to Vietnam? Yes. Sir. Yeah, you knew. Okay. So, you enlisted intentionally to go to Vietnam. You knew that your destiny was in the hands of the the the, the Marines, right? Yes, Simplified, good man. You know, there's something powerful about enlisting or becoming a part of something bigger than we are. There's something powerful about that. I was watching, looking at some pictures this morning of my brother when he he looked like he was about 14 years old, skinny little guy, but he was, had finished boot camp and uh, was being presented with his uh, graduation and uh, he was standing so straight and so proud and saluting with such integrity and honor, you look at that and you think, "Man, this is so important for young men and for young women to find a sense of purpose." And there's something powerful about submitting your life to someone other than yourself. And really, that's what Christianity is all about. It's a it's a recognition of our life. It's it's a commitment of our lives to someone other than ourselves. And I've watched as people do this. In my own life, it just gave me a sense of purpose. I never served in the armed forces, but when I gave my life to Jesus, it gave me a sense of purpose. It gave me uh, clarity and direction for my life. There's something powerful about submitting yourself to something someone bigger than yourself. And so we're talking about that today. This is part 3 of behaving like believers. Part 3. We're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 1 through 12. So most of the verses will be up on the, the screen, but I would encourage you to bring your Bible and make it your priority to figure out how to turn to 1 Peter. And where's 1 Peter? Old or New Testament? <laughs> Anybody know? New? No? Okay, good. Sometimes if we only rely on what's on the screen. We may never actually know where First Peter is. And so we need to be able to say, oh, there's First Peter right there. It's just, oh, I'm almost there. And there it is. Okay, good. I got First Peter. So we need to be able to do that. And uh, so bring your Bible and then make that your priority to turn with me. Behaving like believers, part three. Verse one opens with the words in the same Way. Why does it say in the same way? Well, when we come across a sentence like that, a statement like that, we just have to look at the context, the immediate context of the passage that we're reading. And we can look back at chapter 2 and Peter's writing to the church about Submitting ourselves to the governing authorities, and so there's a theme there in chapter two. Uh, we are to submit ourselves to the governing authorities. We're to submit ourselves to our masters or our employers. And now God, He's He's outlining something for us regarding the family. God's actually got a plan for the family. There's actually a structure, a God breathed, written structure in the word of God. 1 Peter 3 1 says this, in the same way you wives must accept the authority of your husbands. Then even if some refuse to obey the good news, if if you've got a husband who doesn't know Jesus, your godly lives will speak to them without any words. They will be won over by observing your pure and reverent Lives number one, behaving like believers. Number one, we honor God's plan for the family structure. Now, some people shy away from this text because it's just uncomfortable to talk about a wife's responsibility to submit to her husband. But I don't know about you, but I look around in the world and the condition of married couples in the world. uh, In the in the world, and when I say the world, it's people outside the church. The divorce rates over 50%. When I look inside the church, the divorce rate is over 50%, maybe even higher in the church. And so when I see something that is broken like that, and when I open up the word of God and see the prescription to fix the brokenness, I get excited about reading it and understanding it and communicating that. Without without shy I'm not shy about it because I know that God who created us, who sustains us, who knows us, who understands relationship. He has spoken this, communicated this to us so that we might have wonderful, wonderful lives. Now, uh, most people in the room have been divorced. I came from divorced parents and divorced grandparents. My wife, her side of the family, kind of the same scenario, divorced parents. Divorce is everywhere in our culture. Thank God for second chances, amen, or third chances or fourth chances. God's grace is sufficient. So his grace is sufficient if you've been through it. But how much better if we can figure out God's game plan and then begin to live that out and model that to future generations. That's kind of what we're talking about in this first point today. So we're going to be talking to the wives, to the women in the room. We're going to be talking to the husbands, to the men in the room. And then we're going to be talking to the kids as we look at... Honoring God's plan for the family structure. So the Apostle Peter writes about the family structure right here in 1 Peter chapter 3. And then the Apostle Paul writes about it in Ephesians chapter 5 and 6. So we understand scripture as we read scripture scripture interprets scripture so let's see what paul writes in ephesians 5 21 and 24 he says and further verse 21 submit to one another out of reverence for christ we often we kind of gloss over that but we actually have a responsibility to mutually submit one to another but ultimately a wife's role is to submit to her husband and so we'll unpack that as we we go along. It says, and further submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Why does it say that? Because this is his idea. It's his plan for our lives. For wives, this means, verse 22 says, for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife as Christ is the head of of the church. He is the savior of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husband in everything. <laughs> that may be a kind of a tough pill to swallow, but it's a picture of the body of Christ. We as believers are part of the body of Christ, and Jesus is the head. He's the leader. So in your marriage, the two becoming one, the husband is the head. He is the spiritual leader of his family. So wives, (laughs) please be prayerful for your husband. If you got a husband, pray for him. Pray that he would lead as a godly man with integrity. Pray for him because it's a job and it's a job for which he will stand before the Lord and give account the Lord will uh, will interrogate him and ask him about his life he will stand before the Lord to give an account for the way that he has led spiritually in his family so wives you should be praying about how to submit to your husband and husbands you need to be prayerful about how to lead well because we are to lead even as Christ led we are to be the heads as men even even as Christ is the head of the church. And so we've got really big shoes to fill, <laughs> really challenging shoes to fill. But I believe this. I believe, I believe if, I believe if we lead well as men, that our wives will have no problem submitting to us. So what does it mean to lead well, right? <laughs> I think that was where the women were supposed to clap, Michael. <laughs> Mike's going for it. He's like, yeah. So most of the time, if husbands are doing what we're going to talk about here in just a moment, the wives find it very natural and even easy to submit. Back to 1 Peter 3, 3, speaking to women. Peter said, don't be concerned about the outward beauty of fancy hairstyles, expensive jewelry, or beautiful clothes. You should clothe yourself instead with the beauty that comes from within, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is so precious to God. So what is the writer saying? I don't think he's saying that women shouldn't get dolled up. Like like you shouldn't spend some time, you know, making yourself look presentable. I don't think that's what he's saying at all. But I think what he is saying is that most of our attention, most as women, most of your attention should be focused on the internal beauty in your life. And so if you're spending all of your time on the external beauty and little time on the internal interior, internal beauty, then you're missing God's design for your life, because ex- all that exterior stuff, it begins to fade, right? Has anybody experienced that? <laughs> Have you ever looked back at, uh, found, run into people in, from your uh, high school days, and you're like, man, do I look that bad, right? <laughs> you're like, I hope I don't look like that, but sure enough, they're probably saying the same thing. Do I look as bad as that person? So that exterior, External beauty begins to fade, but the internal beauty is what lasts. No matter what's going on externally, you've got this internal beauty. And that's what God's encouraging his ladies within the church to develop within their lives. So we're going to be... um, encouraging you guys to do that, and part of the encouragement is to be at this Friday night thing, be at this Friday night women's gathering, because in that women's gathering, you're going to be praying together, you're going to be worshiping together, and it's going to be really powerful as women to come together and be encouraged as godly women. So, don't spend so much time on the outward beauty, but on the inward beauty. Verse 5 says, this is how the holy women of old made themselves beautiful, They put their trust in God and accepted the authority of their husbands. For instance, Sarah obeyed her husband, Abraham, and called him her master or Lord. You are her daughters when you do what is right without fear of what your husbands might do. So this is probably a reference from Genesis 18, 12, where Sarah called her husband Lord, and Lord is another term for husband. Now, not in my family, (laughs) but when Ron D, uh, Pastor Ron, when he was here first service, he he always reminds me that in his house, DJ calls him Lord, small l, Lord. Is that a good idea? Now, if we're going to follow Abraham and Sarah's example, is that not Acceptable? Why is that so unacceptable? <laughs> it was much funnier first service. <laughs> but Sarah, much like DJ, had deep respect for her husband Abraham and the authority he carried. First Peter, three seven. We've been talking about women. Let's kind of zero in on the men now, just to level the playing field. In the same way, you husbands must give honor to your wives treat your wife with understanding as you live together she may be weaker meaning physically weaker and that's not always the case but she may be weaker than you are but she is your equal partner in god's gift of new life treat her as you should as you should so your prayers will not be hindered <laughs> so your wife is to submit To you, but you as men are to lead like Jesus would lead. And in your leading, you are to honor her even as Christ would honor her. Her. Your wife may be physically weaker, but she is your equal partner in the faith. She is your equal in the kingdom of God. Galatians 3, 27 and 28 tells us that. It says, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus, and all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ, like putting on new clothes. There is no longer Jew or Gentile, slave or free, male or female for you are all one in Christ. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs and God's promise to Abraham and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. So 1 Peter 2, seven, again, it says, she may be weaker than you are, but she is your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Treat her as you, sh- as you should so your prayers will not be hindered. Sometimes we gloss over that. So what the scripture is telling us, men, is that if we don't honor our wives, God will not hear our prayers. If we are disobedient in God's design for our married life, then God will not hear our prayers. Why is God so serious about this? Because the women, those are her, his girls, right? They're his daughters, right? And what man, what dad isn't protective of his daughters? Well, we all are, right? I remember when Caitlin started dating Logan. Well, Caitlin, my oldest daughter, she'd never had a boyfriend. She never brought a boy home. And so this boy Logan shows up and I don't know Logan from Adam. And so I'm a bit skeptical, a bit uh, interested in this young man. So I said, Hey, Logan, let's go get some coffee. So we sat at Andrini's and I said, listen, this is the deal. Caitlin is my daughter. She is as pure as the driven snow. She's never had a boyfriend, and I expect you to honor her. And this is the deal. I got a shotgun, (laughs) I got a shovel, and I got five acres. If you mistreat her, I will bury you, and no one will be able to find you. That's the reality of the situation. We take serious our responsibility as fathers with our daughters, right? Now, Now that I've known Logan, they've been married for 10 or 11 years, and they've given us five amazing grandkids. They were all lined up over here for service. Man, I know now that that conversation was never necessary. I didn't know it then, but I know it now. Logan has honored Caitlin. For these last 10 or 11 years of marriage, he has been so good to her. And I'm so grateful for that gift that he is to our family. He's been a great dad, a great provider, just a great man of God in our family. So I honor him today and so so thankful. So knowing now what I know about him, that wasn't necessary. But man, as a man, you are concerned about your kids, especially your daughters. And so God is the same way about his daughters. And so dudes, guys, if you mess With God's girls, he's not going to hear your prayers. You have a responsibility to be obedient, to heed the, the word of the Lord and to do what God has called you to do and to live in that relationship the way that God has called you to live in that relationship. Otherwise, he will not hear your prayers. He will turn his ears away from you and he will not answer your prayers. So maybe you've got some unanswered prayers. It could be that, there's some things going on in your marriage that need to be addressed. So get them addressed. Repent. Apologize. Start living differently as a man of God. You have a responsibility, and you will stand before the Lord all by yourself and give an account for the way that you've lived your life. The Apostle Paul gives some instructions to men in Ephesians 5, 25, and 33. It says this, 25 through 33. It says, for husbands, this means love your this means love your wives. Just as Christ loved the church. We know how Christ loved the church. Christ loved the church sacrificially with tenderness and strength and grace and truth. He led with great integrity. He gave up his life for her, verse 26, to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. He did this to present her to himself as a glorious church without spot or wrinkle or any other blemish. Instead, she will be holy and without fault. In the same way, husbands ought to love their wives as they love their own bodies. For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. That's interesting, right? For a man who loves his wife actually shows love for himself. Well, what does that mean? And what does that look like? I tell you what, if I've offended my wife, there's like a chill that settles in the whole house. (laughs) There's like a chill that settles in my bones. I'm like, I know something's off. And so I look at her and she's not even trying. (laughs) Like she's not trying to make me squirm, but I promise you, I am squirming, (laughs) because I know that she is unhappy with something I have said or done, and so I'm doing everything I can to make sure that I am making amends, because if I love my wife right, it's going to go better for me. Happy wife, happy life. If Mama ain't happy, Jolene would say that if dad's not happy, nobody's happy too, (laughs) which may be true. But I tell you what, there's a chill that happens in the house until we get things squared away. So guys, we will have much better marriages if we just decide sacrificially to serve our wives the way that Christ has served the church. Ephesians 5.29 no one hates his own body, but feeds and cares for it, just as Christ cares for the church, and we are members of His body. As the scriptures say, a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife, and the two are united into one. The two, the two become one. And in that relationship, the man is the head. And so, in that relationship, wives, as you submit to your husbands, you've got to honor him as your Lead as the leader in your home who will give an account before God as the spiritual leader and as the leader in general of your home. So I would encourage you to make sure that your husband is your priority. And men, I'm going to speak to you. As the two become one, you need to make sure that your wife is your priority. Sometimes men kind of of want their mama to be their priority, right? Mamas, don't let your babies grow up. No, that's the wrong song. (laughs) <laughs> Moms don't allow your, your boys to do that. Sure you want that and but their responsibility is to their wife. And so when the two become one, now for husbands, their wife is the priority, and for then the opposite for husbands, for wives, husbands. So we have this model for us, this picture for us in the scripture about what marriage is supposed to look like. And so if we will just follow the prescribed way that we see in the scripture, our marriages will have the best possible, um, uh, the best possible chance for success. The man is the head. Now some would say that the man is the head, but the woman is Is the neck, and she can turn that head wherever she wants. And there's probably some truth to that, but it's not you, (laughs) wives, it's not you who will stand before the Lord to give an account for the way things went. It will be your husband. So be a blessing to him as he does his best to lead. Verse 32 This is a great mystery the two becoming one, but it's an illustration of the way Christ and the church are one. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. So a woman's greatest need among all of the needs is that she would feel loved. A man's greatest need above um, above all of the other needs is that he would feel respected. And so this is good truth for us to remember all the days of our married lives Men need to feel respected in order to lead well. Wives need to feel loved in order to submit. So that means with that love, it's a a place of safety. It's a place of security. It's a place of trust. I know that I can trust my husband and trust is earned And so we have to live in such a way that we're earning the trust of our spouses. And women, you need to live in such a way that your husband feels like he's really got the capacity to lead. And like you're really submitting to his leadership. And when that's working out, there's the best possibility for marital bliss. Now, some are here and you say, man, my husband's not as spiritual as me. And that might be true but it's still his responsibility to lead, and so pray for him. And dudes, if your wife is more spiritual than you, get on it, dog on it. Like, get into the word and begin to grow as a believer, as a spiritual leader in your family. So open up the scripture every day. Read and pray and ask the Lord to help you with wisdom so that you might lead effectively in your home because it is absolutely Unequivocally, your responsibility doesn't matter what the culture says, the word of God tells us that it's the man's responsibility to lead. Now, let's talk about kids. We're done with marriages. You guys, deep breath. <laughs> let's talk about kids. So, we honor the family structure. Children, obey your parents. This is Ephesians 6. Children, obey your parents because you belong to the Lord, for this is the right thing to do. Honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise. It's the fifth commandment, but it's the first commandment with a promise. If you honor your father and mother, things will go well for you and you will have a long life on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. So as you deal gently with your spouse, you need to deal gently with your children. Now you need to set parameters because there's safety within the parameters. But there's a level of respect that you need to give to your kids, even if they haven't fully earned it. But there's something that needs to be, you need to show them that you're leading by example and that you're wanting the very best for them. And so you're honoring them in that relationship, not making them angry at the rules that you're setting down, but you're sitting with them and saying, these are the reason for the rules. These are the reasons for the parameters, because I I love you, and I want the very best for you. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. I heard this all the time growing up. Is my mom here? She's around here somewhere. Why should I do that? Because I told you to, right? We've all heard that, right? It's that old school parenting. I told you so, and that's what you need to do. If you don't like it, go get a switch off the willow tree, right? Do you guys ever have to get a switch off the tree? Oh, yeah. Holy cow, right? That's the worst chore in the world. You get a thin one, it's going to sting like crazy. You get a thicker one that might break something. So you got to find that happy little medium in there. And then you got to go in there and drop your britches and you're leaning over the bed and you're you're So I don't know if you should spank with a switch. I'll leave that up to you. But the scripture does say if you beat them they won't die. <laughs> I didn't write it, but that's what it says. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way you treat them, rather bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. We want to minister to our kids, raising them up, so when they they get older, they want want to follow our lead spiritually. They they, they may not understand it now, but as they get older, they're going to be able to look back and say, man, I know now why the parameters, I know now why my parents did what they did. They were trying to honor the Lord and trying to protect me. All right, behaving like believers, part three, number one, we honor God's plan for the family structure, and really quick, we're going to get through points two and three. Number two, we work at getting along with others in the body of Christ, and so now we're talking to everybody. We're talking to everybody in 1 Peter 3, 8 and following. It says, finally, all of you should be of one mind. What does that one mind mean? because we've all got different opinions about So many different things. And so being of one mind, when Peter's writing to the church, he's saying, listen, this is what your mind should be set on. I am a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, and I'm going to live my life as a follower of Jesus Christ. If we can agree on that, we are united. We are of one mind. And if that's the primary building block in our lives, all of these other secondary and tertiary things, those things can be just... Love covers a multitude of sins. So, Peter's saying, Hey, if you're going to be effective in the church, if you're going to be salt and light in the church, you need to be of one mind. And then he says, Sympathize with each other. Love each other as brothers and sisters. Be tender hearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you this blessing. So this little paragraph here, it seems impossible, right, to do what Peter has outlined under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit for us to do. But everything that God asks us to do requires that we are filled with the power of God, which is the Holy Spirit of God. The power of God will fill us and give us the grace to do what he's asked us to do. So every time we come across something difficult in the scripture, we simply say, God, in my natural ability. I don't want to do this in my natural ability. I can't do it, but by your grace and as you empower me, I'm able to do this. Number three, behaving like believers. Part three. Number three, we enjoy life the way God has designed life to be enjoyed. We enjoy life the way that God has designed life to be enjoyed. Isn't that cool that God has designed life to be Enjoyed. Now, he's got parameters for us in the way that we enjoy life. And so he lays this out for us in the scriptures. For the scriptures say, verse 10, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, how many want to enjoy life and see many happy days? Like all of us, right? None of us are saying, nope, I want a terrible, stinky life. <laughs> No, we want a great life. We want to enjoy life. I think we're designed to enjoy life and that all throughout eternity, we're going to enjoy life and enjoy the goodness of God and we'll see many happy days. So if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, and this is true no matter what, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. So we got to put a guard on our mouth because we can do so much devastating danger, destruction with our tongues that it can ruin our lives. And so you say, hey, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. And then he said, turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. Paul said, when it's possible... When it's at all possible to be at peace with everyone. So it requires some effort and some work. And so within the body of Christ, we need to work toward peace. Because there's going to be things that we disagree on. You get two people together, there's going to be things that we disagree on. You get hundreds of people together, there's going to be things that we disagree on. So we need to work toward harmony within the body of Christ. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord... Watch over those who do right. And his ears, here we are again, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. So if we follow God's prescribed way for living our lives, he will hear our prayers. If we do not follow God's prescribed way for living our lives he will not hear our prayers we we've, we've seen this twice in this text the eyes of the lord watch over those who do rights and his ears are open to their prayers so that tells me that if his ears are open to our prayers. When we're obedient, they are closed to our, uh, his ears are closed to us when we are disobedient. Now I'm going to let the Lord sort all of that out, but we can be sure that our life and the way that we live our lives impacts God's ability to hear us and to answer our prayers. We see it over and over again in the scripture, but the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. So maybe you're reading, you're hearing this and you're like, man, I've been guilty of some of this stuff. Just repent. If you haven't been a good husband, repent. If you haven't been a good wife, repent. If you haven't been a good child to your parents, repent. Make amends. Fix things. I spent the last few years of my dad's life just trying to get things squared away. Because there was something in that relationship that I just wanted to see healthy. Because we had spent Over 50 years in a not very healthy relationship. But I I longed for health in that relationship. I I think that's true in our lives. As much as we might fight it, as much as we might resent the idea because we've been hurt, work toward peace with those people. If you've not been a good parent, say, I haven't been a very good parent. Maybe your kids are grown. You go back to them and say, you know what, I... I wasn't a very good parent. Would you forgive me? I made all kinds of mistakes. Will you forgive me? And I I almost guarantee that your kids are just longing to hear that and longing to reconcile with you and longing to have those wounds healed and mended. Wherever you have fallen short, and we all fall short in <laughs> every arena of life. And so we need to maintain a humble broken, contrite attitude, and just keep short accounts with people. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Now you, you say, you're, but then don't keep doing the same mistakes. And if you do, just say, I'm sorry. I'm trying. I'm trying, but just talk about it. Talk about it. God wants the family of God and the families within the family of God to be healthy and filled with life and light and joy. With that, let's go ahead and stand up. I'm not sure how long this behaving like believers. Uh, series will go on, but we might be behaving like believers part 42 here before long. So, number one, we honor God's plan for the family structure. Number two, we work at getting along with others in the body of Christ. And number three, we enjoy life the way God has designed life to be enjoyed. So, thank you Lord for who you are. Thankful God, we're thankful God that you are faithful to us, that you are patient with us. Uh, We need you to be patient with us, Lord. So, thank you that you are. God, we just want to Say yes to your plans. We want to honor you, Lord. And as we honor you, I I know we will honor one another. We'll be better husbands, better wives. We'll be better leaders. We'll be better followers, Lord. Life will just get better as we submit to you, to your plans and purposes. So help us to do that, Lord. There's plenty of grace, but there's also plenty of work to do so that we Fight the good fight of faith, doing what you've called us to do. So strengthen us in our times of weakness. Strengthen us when we need it. Give us the grace and strength to do what you've asked us to do. We love you, Lord. We bless you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.